hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Ever think if only I could get my hands on a few thousand bucks, I could build that business I've always wanted to build. And after inventing Anna, the dropout, and we crash, I will never seek venture capitalist money for my dreams. But who's going to invest in a queer-owned, Black-owned, female-owned, minority-owned, small business startup like mine? Well, if you've ever had thoughts like these, you might want to find an angel investor. And we've actually tapped the best angel investor for minority, small-owned businesses that we know, Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital, to come on this episode, 316 of the Queer Money Podcast, to talk about funding your dream business. Let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Gainbridge sponsors the best, including the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, Indiana 500, and the Queer Money Podcast. That's because Gainbridge believes dedication is an essential component of success in every community. Visit gainbridge.life today. David? Yes. Do you think there's any chance on earth that I could be an angel someday? (laughs) Hmm. Oh, yes. Actually, there is you could be an angel investor. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, before we dive into the discussion with Arlen, I know that many of you have joined the podcast to listen to Arlen or hear Arlen, uh, more information from Arlen. Arlen let us know that she's a very busy person. She's allowing us to have 20 minutes of her time. But before we get started, we wanted to kind of lay the groundwork for some of the discussion we had with Arlen. And we wanted to talk about what angel investing is first, so you understand a little bit more about the discussion that we had. So first of all, what is angel investing? Well, angel investing is when a high net worth person, typically somebody who has hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, takes some of the money that they have and they want to invest it. But instead of investing it in what we typically know as typical kinds of investments, they invest it in someone else's small business. And when they do that, they're usually doing that that in exchange for some ownership of that company. And that could be anywhere from 5% to a controlling share. So you're over 50%. But as with any investment, there are pros and cons. And you always want to make sure you're crystal clear on all of that before you dive into the investment. So here are the pros. The primary pro, probably not too surprising (laughs) to anybody, is that you get access to capital. You get access to some money that you can infuse back into your business to hopefully grow your business over time. You can use that capital to scale your business. And as any small business startup or entrepreneur knows, sometimes you even need money to pay yourself because usually you're the last one that gets paid, right? So someone's got to put ramen on the table. Hopefully this infusion of capital will help you do that. Right. And I think one of the important things to remember here is that angel investors are usually investing in businesses that have already started, right? Mm -hmm. This is not startup money. This is not seed money to start a business. This is money. These investors are coming in and they're saying, okay, this looks like a business that's already started. It's earning some money. It might be profitable and it needs an infusion of capital. It needs some money to come in to help it grow bigger, potentially giving them opportunity to even more returns on the money that they're investing. 
some other pros with tapping an angel investor is that you get access to their Rolodex of contacts, right? So they have experience with dealing with bankers, accountants, attorneys, and all other kinds of investors who also have experience with startups and there are uh, small businesses that are trying to uh, launch off the ground. And so they can tap into those resources to help you be more certain that you're on the trajectory for success. They can also connect you with potential employees for your business, as well as even eventually down the road, uh, connecting you with customers. And then of course, as with most entrepreneurs, you typically only start one, two or three maximum businesses in your entire lifetime. Well, an angel investor has experience in doing that several times a year. They're, they're funding all sorts of small businesses. And so they've got experience having gotten these businesses to very successful positions. So you're tapping into their wealth of information that you can use to guide your company to success. But not all angel investors are high net worth individuals. Sometimes there are other types of individuals who are angel investors. So for example, it may be someone who is a family or a friend of your family or a friend of yours who has some money that they would like to put into your business in exchange for some ownership. One of the more popular ways today is through crowdfunding, getting angel investors. Some of the biggest names in the LGBT space and the art space that we know of started out with getting money from crowdsourcing angel investors. So for example, Mr. B&B, the LGBT version of Airbnb. You got started and then it went to the market and said, we need angel investors. We need money coming into the company to help it grow. Meow Wolf, one of the biggest well-known art installation purveyors out there. They have museums and art all over the place. They actually went to the market also and got angel investors. And then Reverie, which is a queer streaming service, used angel investors to help them grow as well. That is some of the pros of angel investing. What about some of the cons? What are some of the things that may make you a little bit apprehensive or scary to get involved? Well, unlike borrowing money to grow your business, usually you don't reimburse an angel investor. There typically is the trade-off, right? That angel investor now owns a portion of your company, which means that they may want some involvement in that company. And it may mean that you're giving up a, as John mentioned earlier, a controlling portion of your company. They may only want 5, 10, 15%, but they may want 50, 60, 70%. As we you know, think of Shark Tank, there has been plenty of examples on Shark Tank of where the sharks actually wanted a controlling portion in the company. The other thing is, is you may find that angel investors put pressure on you to run your company a certain way or to return a certain amount of revenue back to them because of their investment. So you may find that you're under some pressure and depending on how much ownership they have, they actually may end up taking your control of your company away from you. Think of WeWork and Adam Newman. So thinking about WeWork and Adam Newman and that kind of venture capitalism, you might be wondering, well, what's the difference between angel investing and venture capitalists? Well, angel investors are usually affluent people or a group of affluent people, VCs who invest in your business, VCs or venture capitalists are companies with employees that run funds that invest other people's money in startups in exchange for a high ROI that they then pass back to the shareholders of that fund. So one is a little bit more personable, the other is more business. So there are some challenges with angel investors and venture capitalists when you're a startup. One of the things that's really kind of probably most in our face as minorities or individuals from communities that don't typically have small businesses or aren't big in the startup space is that 
There's a reason. There's an obscene amount of money. Over 90% of the money that venture capitalists give out actually ends up going to businesses run by straight white men. And angel investors. And that's one of the things that Arlen is going to share with us is that this is one of the big challenges that you face. But sometimes you'll face some other challenges that come from the comments that are made, right? Yeah. If you don't don't typically fall into the traditional model of a startup business, right? Something that someone who's more likely to get that kind of funding from an angel investor or a startup or a venture capitalist, you can hear some pretty quirky things that you might not otherwise hear. So I'm in the middle of reading Believe It by Jamie Kern Lima. And if you don't know who Jamie Kern Lima is, she started It Cosmetics years ago, sold it for years, like eight, eight to 10 years on QVC, grew her brand. And then one day eventually got her business to a point where L'Oreal offered her $1.2 billion to buy her company, which is a huge and amazing success story considering her background where she pretty much came from nothing. When she was starting her business and trying to get venture capitalists to fund her business, she received all sorts of no's. Sometimes not just a professional no, thank you, we're not interested at this time. She shares a story of how one time a venture capitalist told her that no one was going to buy beauty products from a person who looks like her. And she asked him what he meant by that. And she said, well, you're a little overweight. No one's going to buy beauty products from someone who's overweight like you. Well, she didn't care. She continued to promote and grow her brand. Eventually was able to sell her company for $1.2 billion. So we know who turned out right in that situation. (laughs) And although it may seem scary that you may end up either losing some control or a large control of your business or some of the profit that you have to share with others. All of those kind of can be scary things, right? When you have your own business, the reality is, is that there's actually big gains that can come from having capital come into your company, helping it grow in ways that you may not be able to grow it all on your own. So let's talk to Arlen about why she's doing this and helping other small businesses, especially minority owned small businesses, get started in this space of getting money from angel investors. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Welcome, Arlen Hamilton, to the Queer Money Podcast. We're super excited to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. Definitely. You know, I think a lot of folks are probably familiar with your backstory, your backstory of uh, at a time being homeless to now being a millionaire and having created multiple businesses. So maybe you could just share with us with that in mind, what brought about this change? And especially being a queer person, a person of color, what was the mindset change that really helped you get to that point? I think it wasn't a change so much as a conviction in the in the idea because you know I was it was 2014 I had spent a couple of years learning about startups and venture capital I was homeless I had I was bouncing around from hotel to hotel with my mom sleeping on couches a lot of food insecurity but I had been talking to founders of all types across the country for 2 plus years and I knew that we were getting the short end of the stick you know, no matter how you sliced it. And 90% of venture funding goes to straight white men. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense when the country is made up of less than 30% straight white men. So I think it was a conviction of, I can continue on. I have these personal issues for sure. They're not pleasant. 
And I don't know how long it's going to take for something to break in a good way. But if I don't even try, then I know it won't, you know, that age old adage. So to me, it was this idea of people would say to me, well, black and brown founders are not viable, or where can you find women to invest in? Or people aren't even thinking about the orientation when they're building businesses. Like, of course you're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. It's who we are. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our DNA of our company. A lot of times it's pain points that we see and from this lens, all those things kind of swirl together to tell me I have to make this work. And so all of the personal plus side stuff happened as a result, not necessarily as the goal. Gotcha. And so how, how was it that then this concept of angel investing or venture capitalism got started? Obviously, your connection to all of these communities must have been a part of it. What, but how did that happen? How did you? Well, yeah, I had spent the previous 18 years, so from 13 to 31 or so, I had spent that trying to work my way into working on live music production. Because right. I saw Janet Jackson when I was 13 in the front row. And I said, I want to work on the road for people like Janet. And I had accomplished that. I had started working with Jason Derulo and Tony Braxton and different people of that nature. And on the road, I was I thought I was living my dream. I thought, you know, even though it was a lot of difficult work and a lot of long hours, I thought I was there. But I would hear those artists or their managers or people who were rich coming to visit talk about startups and talk about startup investing, definitely, but m mainly startups. And so I thought, w wait, why are the people who I think are having like the most fun ever concerning themselves with this two or three person startup team? And what's Silicon Valley? What is that? I did more research and I listened in. People didn't know I was eavesdropping. <laughs> I would get all the information that I needed. And over time, I started to form a thesis about okay, okay, on this hand, I want to start a company. And that company, by the way, was a, the original idea was I was going to start a, a matchmaking tech app called Juliet and Juliet. And I did a prototype and actually had members to it. But then I thought, well, if the whole ecosystem is flawed, what's going to happen in six months? Even if I can raise today, because I can probably hustle my way into a raise, what's going to happen in 12 months? Or what's going to happen to my competition? Or Am I going to see anybody else there who I recognize? And I didn't want that. I didn't think that was interesting to me. So that's when I said, okay, let me see if I can put together some money from different sources, build a fund. The very first fund actually was not a fund that is today, which is for people of color, LGBTQ, and women. The very first iteration of Backstage Capital was a $1 million targeted fund for LGBTQ founders alone. And mm. I just couldn't get traction for it. Twenty. 13, 2014, just couldn't wow. get traction. So then I went back and I said, well, what, what am I? Let me focus on who I am. I identify as a black woman. I identify as a woman. I identify as LGBTQ. I'm going to do all three. And then I'm going, you know, I would continue on to hear people, well, why not veterans and why not disabled and why not immigrants? And those, I stuck with the three that I knew. And then we built around that, right? And, and I, think, I think it's telling that I couldn't get traction. Right. Before. Mm -hmm. I even had this one guy when I was trying to raise for that fund, he laughed at me on the phone and he's like, yeah, good luck trying to do that. I'm like, you're so privileged. Like, <laughs> like what a jerk. I'm glad you said no. 
But do you know, a few years later, he got in touch with me on Twitter DM asking me if I would invest in his fund. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, honey. Right. Today. <laughs> yeah. It, it is interesting. And, and we are great, very grateful that you have focused on the others, right? Mm-hmm. Because it is very difficult. And let me ask you then, as a queer person, as a person of color, do you still think, or why do you still think that there is space or opportunity for us to start businesses that not only will allow us to maybe have some level of financial stability, but also to thrive financially and be able to break out and be those companies that lead and help thousands or millions of people? Yeah, I just, there's so, we've barely scratched the surface. Heard a rumor about annuities? Cut out the noise by visiting Queer Money podcast sponsor Gainbridge at gainbridge.life to learn more. We have at Backstage 200 investments. I don't know the last check on identifying LGBTQ founders, but probably something around, I want to say, 7 to 12%, perhaps. So it's a a good number. It could always be better. But we've scratched the surface of what there is. And on top of that, you know, a friend of mine who's an investor, his name is Olin Douglas. He has a $144 million fund, black man. And he told me, I think he said five or six of the top 10 companies in the country were venture backed. And that helps me kind of center myself when I get really like, why do I even in venture? Like, why do I even care about what these people think? I don't, by the way, (laughs) I don't care about what institutionals think. But at the same time, we deserve the option. Exactly. We deserve the option of we're going to go bootstrapped, which I love. We're going to get investment, which I am fond of as well. Whichever way we want to go and build wealth for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, we should be able to do that. On top of that, as a founder yourself, a lot of times when we're thinking solely about ourselves, it's not enough. I found for sustained interest and passion. But think about the fact that you can take your winnings. And you can do whatever the heck you want with it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that can be for-profit, non-profit, hybrid. It can be a patron of the arts. Like I've started, you know, collecting art. And I thought about it. It's like, I, I don't think I would have even put that as a priority if I didn't know I had my bills paid. Yeah. Right. But it's right. the things that you get to do and the, live the full breath of life and really experience things. And at the same time, create experiences. I, I, I bring my family with me almost everywhere I go and we just have the greatest time. And that's that's another great reason. So yes, it's for the bigger, greater good and we can do so much, but it's also for a better quality of life. Nice. And John and I completely believe that. We we truly, our focus is helping more LGBT people come, become financially sustainable and secure and thrive financially. I think there are a lot of queer people who want to start a business. They have a great idea, or maybe they have started a business. Maybe you could just clue us into what are some of the things that we should be doing or maybe boxes we should check before we go out there and seek the $25,000, $50,000 that your fund offers. Yeah, I would say this. Go to Arlen's Academy, A-R-L-A-N-S Academy. It's free now. It's free. It's $4,000 worth of curriculum that I have now made free. Uh, so there's 22,000 or so people there. So we have 20 different experts that teach. So there's like all of these things that there's like a 101 class. There's my course, which is how to raise capital from scratch. And that's like a, I don't know, 16 hour course. That's like very extensive. There's one hour courses. 
I would do that first. Like that's the check I would do because it's so much information that's so valuable right there in front of you. I would also, this is a big thing that I tell people, look, a lot of people come to me. I mean, I I get pitched every day. You'd have to imagine, but people come to me and they're like, I need (laughs) $500,000. And I'll say, why? Like for what? Right? Like tell me why you need that. It could be that you do, but tell me why. And they'll say for marketing and for distribution and for manufacturing. Cool. Let me see the line item. So I give them this exercise and I say, go back for 24, 48 hours and just do this. I'm going to, I'm going to get you 250K, 400K right now. And they're like, oh, okay, but let's do this. Go back and go down every item and say what you need it for. Then look at each item and say, is there anything you could do yourself? Is there anything you could barter, trade? Is there anything that you could outsource for less, but more creatively? Is there anything that you could dot, 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 dot? Come back to me and show me. They come back nine out of 10 times. They've carved that down, whittled it down to 100K, 50K instead of 500. Because people actually, we think we need some amount because we read in TechCrunch that the other person got that amount. I just saved that person 80 or 90% of their raise. And therefore, I gave them more power, less dilution, so less of your ownership going away. And more autonomy. And we talk about options and freedom and all of that, all of that comes with that package. So those are the two things I would do. The third thing I would do is to get my book, It's About Damn Time. Because whether you get it printed or audio, it's going to change the way you think about yourself and the way you think about your potential. And I'm not saying that as someone trying to sell a book. I'm saying that as someone who seven years ago slept on the floor of the San Francisco airport and today is a millionaire. Right. And have been able to keep my authenticity intact for as as much as I can, you know, consider with self-awareness. Who knows? Maybe other people would say I have. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's what the lens I'm coming from. With Absolutely. Awesome. I have to say, I think that these are the stories we need to shine more light on in our queer community of people who are being able to be authentic and do great things. If you have time, I just have one more question, yeah, quick sure. question for you. We have a lot of folks who listen to the podcast who are investors. They're accredited investors, and some of them are not accredited investors. They have a small amount they want to invest, but oftentimes struggle with this idea of, I don't necessarily want to hand my money over to the institutions that are run by the men who you have Mm -hmm. just talked about, the 90% who keep getting the money, Mm -hmm. right? How does somebody who is on this side, invest not only with you maybe, but how do we put our money to good use to to do what you're doing? Well, there's crowdfunding is just awesome. A crowd equity funding. I love it. So I'm going to tell you there's free places you can go, free places you can go. You can go to republic.co, WeFunder, and a place called King's Crowd, which is actually like more of a, a data source and helps you research companies. But you can make these crowd equity investments of like $100 plus, where you then buy into the company. It's like Kickstarter, but with with ownership. So Mm -hmm. I would go there, go to WeFunder, Republic, look around, window shop, and then go to King's Crowd to help you see what you should invest in. Those are all kind of suggestions. I'm associated with all of them, by the way, kind of equally. So I'm just kind of go that way. But I also, there are two syndicates that I think that I want to suggest to you. There are two syndicates that you can go to. So if you're accredited, and this is for accredited only, you would go to Gangels. And I know you probably know Gangels left and right, but it's, a, it's you know, they're doing great stuff. They actually invested in our 
my new company. Uh, I saw the syndicate in action. I, I think it was really cool. And I think the minimum was like $1,000 for some great vetted companies. And it's run by LGBTQ management team. And they give you all this access to different deals and you put you decide what you want to invest in. That's a great one. I will also like give a shout out to my own. So backstagecrowd.com, backstagecrowd.com is where we take, we have 200 portfolio companies. We've done a lot of investing and we share some of those deals with both accredited and non-accredited investors. So we have two tracks. One is if you're accredited, it's similar to Gangels. We have certain deals that are private. If you're unaccredited, or accredited, you can look on the unaccredited track, and that's when we give you our takes on the things that we're investing in without giving you wealth management advice. Nice. Gotcha. Yeah. I love that. I, I do too. I, I am so thankful that you're doing this. I love that story. And I think that a lot more of us want to do good with our money. And this, mm -hmm. is, a, this is a better option to do good with our money yes. to help other people thrive financially. Yeah. And I would say too, like, let's say you have 10 grand or five grand and you want to invest as cheesy as it may sound. My suggestion to you is to invest at least half of that in yourself, yeah. in that course, in that, that conference you want to go to that you wouldn't have normally in this vacation you want to take. So you can read for a week or you can write a book for a month, whatever that is, because that's going to be your highest ROI of any one or two or three deals that you get yourself into for a thousand bucks, because you're going to learn so much during that time. You're going to have more clarity. So that is awesome. always going to win out. Awesome. That is really good. Cool. Well, thanks thank for, you. Thanks for having all. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know that there are many of our listeners who are waiting for this episode to come out. So we're glad cool. that we can share that, share you with them and share them with you. So we appreciate it. Really appreciate it. I'll see you all online. Arlen was here and uh, hopefully at arlensacademy.com. Yep. Hopefully. Thank yep. Thank you. Okay. Bye guys. Bye-bye. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at capitalone.com. That's capitalone.com. Thank you, Arlen, for taking time out of your very busy schedule to join us, to share your wisdom with our listeners and with us. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. To you, our listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of Career Money. Here's your Career Money takeaway from this episode. When we asked Arlen what listeners should do if they want to become angel investors, her response, paraphrase, of course, was to take half of whatever money you've set aside to become an angel investor and invest it back into yourself. And we couldn't agree more. Take half of whatever you've set aside and take a course. Start or grow your own small business. Meditate for a moment to figure out what your next career move is. Whatever you need to do to make your cup runneth over so you have that much more money that you can invest back into yourself, back into other micro businesses, and to the LGBTQ community. Then join us next week when we have a powerful discussion with attorney and advocate Morgan Menzer about why and how more LGBT folks can get into construction, auto mechanics, electrical, plumbing, and other trade careers. You'll be surprised at the opportunities that she brings to us. We were. Thank you again and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.